Welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good Podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Johnny Starcat Polanski Third. You might know Johnny from the band Acoustic Hookah, or more currently Acoustic Hookah 2.0. Uh, uh, Johnny used to be a part of Acoustic Hookah, which is a jam band uh, or, or a prog rock band. If you ask some people, uh, he used to play hand percussion with them and he still does sit in with them in different variations uh, and uh, totally a percussion hero of mine growing up in the scene uh, in the before time. That is when in, in, before 2005, 2006, uh, that that was my time to shine in this scene. Uh, but we'll get to Johnny here in a moment. But first, I want to talk about our sponsor, Moded Studios Embroidered Patches and Apparel. Moded Studios is always adding new flavorful content to their website. They make Wu-Tang patches. They make funny patches. They make Bart Simpson with the Bowie lightning bolt on his face patches. They have pins. They have hats. They have shirts. Their latest shirt is, what is it? Is uh, Bernie for president. And it's not Bernie Sanders. It's Bernie Mac. So go check out modedstudios.com to find all the coolest and up to date patches and apparel. Modedstudios.com. M O D E D S T U D I O S.com. Check it out. Go to reinamystique.com. R E I N A M Y S T I Q U E.com and check out our latest album, 1018. I had the honor of penning a couple of the songs alongside my beautiful wife, Raina Mystique. Uh, we really love the album and we think you'll like it too. So go to to reinamystique.com and check that out, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. And while you're at the website, why don't you check out the experience tab and find out where me and my beautiful wife are playing in the Toledo area. You can also go check out WeSpeakEnglishGood.com. There you'll find some uh, stuff happening. Uh, but really, the action is happening at we Speak English Good on Instagram. We got all kinds of tutorials we're throwing up. We got silly shit. We got podcast content. And really, if you want to know who I am and where my brain is on a regular basis, go check out the Instagram, the We Speak English Good Instagram. You can contact me through there and, uh, and, and comment and, you know, talk shit, whatever you want to do. Uh, it, it's also connected to my Facebook at the facebook.com slash we speak English good. So it's the same shit. So if you're on Facebook, follow us on at we speak English good. If you're on IG, Instagram, follow us up, baby. You can leave a review on iTunes. You, uh, any, anything helps. You can give us a one star or five star, any, anything you want. I, I, I like how Jordan Peterson's daughter said it for, cause she runs 
while she does the intros for Jordan Peterson's podcast, which is really good, actually. Jordan Peter Peterson's podcast is pretty good. It's just him going around talking. But she does. She said, uh, if you have a one-star uh, review for us, go ahead and save it. <laughs> She's basically saying, don't give us a one-star. But if you want to give me a one-star review, that's fine. You know, I don't care. If you really hated the podcast that much, go ahead. Uh, you could write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Um, and I think that's everything. And that's everything I want to talk about. I know that Raina and I have a, a, a gig somewhere up in Royal Oak, Detroit, Michigan uh, on Friday. So I, I don't know when that is or where it's at. Uh, I'll just stay glued to the Instagram and I'll keep you updated on what we got going on this week. But um, I'm really excited for this interview. I, I went down to Columbus, Ohio to go talk to Johnny Polanski. He was a fucking gentleman uh, and and just a, a smart guy. And you could tell that he's, he's seen a lot of shit. He's done a lot of cool things. And, <laughs> and uh, I love the name of his book, A Taste of Victory. So sit back, strap in, get ready. Johnny Polanski, everybody. Start. Yeah, we're good. Check, check, check. All yeah. right. Okay. All right. Good to see you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me into your house. Thanks for coming to my home. <laughs> I'm just going to jump right into it, Johnny. There's rumors of a book in the works, A Taste of Victory. Tell me about it, Johnny. Uh, 20 Stories, A Taste of Victory. Um, the title is actually brand new. Okay. It's it's uh, it's a brand new title. Um, I, I'm not sure where exactly the title came from, but... <laughs> Oh, that's right. We came up with it together, but yeah, moments ago. Yeah, we were just shooting the shit about. Yes, your, we were. <laughs> your, you have you have an idea of a book. Now, I do. And like just the name of a taste of victory, but but you were throwing around ideas like a tales from a mid level musician. Yes. But uh, but you did get to see a good amount of, of inside shit of, of like what it is to be a in a part of. Um, Something bigger than just, you know, five or six dudes getting sure. together and sure. sweating in their garage. Sure, absolutely. Um, I feel extremely lucky. I'm just going to start out by saying that. I feel extremely lucky with the musical career that I was able to craft and formulate and um, luck into at times. Yeah. There's definitely, absolutely, 1,000% luck has to be on your side at times. It just has to be. Yeah. There's no way around it um with that said um yes it was fun to be inside the ropes at certain times and really kind of see and be part of certain small things that are super duper cool yeah and uh you know um i feel lucky well, you should, man. Yeah. I mean, like, and besides luck, you have an amazing talent. Thank you. I think one of the first things I wrote, like, when I was reaching out to, is like, your 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 conga slides are on point because the <laughs> first time I ever saw someone do a conga slide was yeah. you. Yeah. And like, I've never heard it before. Uh -huh. I never knew that that was a possibility. Yeah, right? And I was a young kid. Sure. Um, and 
all of a sudden you're not still a young kid <laughs> i'm almost 40 man child hold my beer <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i mean you, you know like i was like in like young 20s going to Hooperville sure and sure doing all that and, and the first time i saw you, i think you licked your thing finger and you were just like boy you had this you giant smile on your face <laughs> which was so infectious like, like you could just see it spread through the crowd because that sound that feel I mean, it is such a, a sound of its own, and I have a boner for a hand percussion. Anyways, uh, well, why don't we do one? Please! Oh my God! Please! Mm. Oh my God! Mm. It has a technical name though. Wait, may please. The moo. The moo. <laughs> Very technical. Yeah. <laughs> you see why, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it should be the groan. Maybe I should patent that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I do the groan. <laughs> I'm no, I'm known for the yeah, groan. I'm known for the groan. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it's like that. It's like, uh, and then like I remember I remember hearing or seeing you do it, and then hearing hearing it hear and see Jesus Christ. Sure. <laughs> and uh, and then like it started popping up everywhere. I remember, and then like I heard a Herbie Hancock album. I can't remember what the fuck. It na 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 na. Ooh. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that yeah, song called? Yeah. I can't remember what it's yeah. called. But so like I remember like it was all like a very I mean it just stands out very clearly to me because of the the following like just hearing it everywhere after I see it. It's sort of like once you get like once you get uh once you get your girl pregnant, right? Like all the like pregnant women stick out to you, yeah. like baby yeah. stuff sticks out to you, you know. It's you know, like, I've I've gone through a divorce and um I had to stop listening to uh any sort of radio or any songs for a long time because um uh there's only about three or four categories of songs. There's um I'm falling in love with you, um I'm falling out of love with you, <laughs> or uh you broke my heart. Yeah. And uh so um much to your point there, um, I know what you're saying. Once you are aware of something, you are aware. Yes. You become very aware of it. Mm. You get a new car that to you. Now, all of a sudden, you see every single <laughs> blue Honda Accord on the road. You're like, how did I miss all these? Yeah. You're absolutely right. And um, the, uh, the groan. Is uh, you you do you do hear the the moo? Yeah. In 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 tons of songs, um, it's it it sticks out, and uh, yet it's one of those kind of subtle things that you can um, you can be like, and I, how did I miss all? How did I miss that? Exactly, you know? exactly. Well, I was just in the right place there, you right. know. And it's uh, but that's one of the interesting thing, interesting things about percussion is that um, it is fifty percent oral, fifty percent visual, and mm. I'll I'll quote. Uh, Guy Romanco, I'll quote a couple guys uh, that have been big influencers on me. One of them is Guy Romanco, who I studied with in, uh, at OU. I think one of the premier educators um, and one of the uh, greatest human beings um, ever. And uh, he um, used to say 50% oral, 50% visual. Um, I, I, I could play a tambourine like this. And you'd be like, yeah. He's playing that tambourine, or like I could play a triangle down here, yeah. but like all of a sudden, you know, I play the triangle up here, and I show it to you. Now you've heard it. Yeah, you've seen it, yes. and you've heard it. Yeah. So now you feel it. Right. You know. Oh, well, that was supposed to go there. That was a, tri uh, you know. And then the next time, maybe if you see a band repetitively, like you had mentioned when I was in Hookah, we had, you know, your, your, the fan base is incredibly dedicated. Come out to a lot of shows, um, and very supportive of the band. They recognized those type of things. And that was one of the things that I always really enjoyed about the fan base is they recognized those triangle notes mm. and those, those moves yes. and, and the places. And they would recognize when I 
uh, either didn't do it or replaced it with something or maybe put something else uh, in that particular sound in another song. Right. So uh, that was one of the things about being a percussionist with that fan base in particular that you had mentioned that recognizes a good deal of those type of things. So yeah. that was good to hear that story from you yeah. about um, connecting um, to that particular sound and, and how you've uh, identified that in other um, facets of your listening. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and like, I, I remember around that time as well, I was listening to like a lot of bitches brew and I'm talking about, I was young. Yeah. Yeah. I was maybe in my, like maybe 20, you know sure. what I mean? And, and, <clears throat> and percussion, like, I think it gets overlooked a lot because it's not making like the, you know, you know, it's, right, it's, yeah. it's an atonal sound. So it gets yeah. overlooked a lot. But if you listen to this, uh, like uh, an album, like bitches brew, what the fuck is his name? Arturo something. Sandoval. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. that's his name. Uh, he, he like, if that wasn't there, that album wouldn't be what it was. Sure. Because, like, he's just doing all the... Yeah. And that shit that just fucking flakes you out. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck is yeah. that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 then, and that's what I loved about what you brought to that band, because uh, especially a band like Hookah, who was who was actively fucking with you. Right, uh, <laughs> sure, sure, right, yeah. Um, but to have those those sounds, to have those, that feel in it, I also feel like that percussion is... Um, um, maybe get overlooked a lot because a lot of people just go buy a bongo at uh at Guitar Center, sure. And because they have a bongo, they're in the band now, so and well, they're just like that, 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 that. It's not too very, right, so. right. It's very easy to right. make a sound with a drum, right? Exactly. It, rhythm can come maybe sometimes a little quicker uh, to somebody who's creative. As opposed to, say, picking up a flute and actually producing uh, a melodic sound right. on a flute or, a, you know, a guitar or really anything. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's hard to put notes together and the correct notes and the scales. Whereas w with drums, um, there's a more simplified, more uh, basic, just inherent to all of us rhythm. Yeah. We all walk. We all talk. We all experience rhythm. Our in heartbeats. Life. We experience rhythm oh. in so many ways that it's something that's being pounded into <laughs> us and pounded out of us. Right. Um, from a very early age, you know, the baby that you know goes <laughs> like this. Yes. You know, it's like, or or you know, a child who, even my child who's twelve, you know, she's growing into a young woman, will pick up on something on the table and just. And she'll be tapping on it, and it'll be a sound or a, a rhythm that she'll pick up on and repeat it. So we're doing that all, our whole lives. So it is very easy for somebody with the accessibility of world instruments, especially drums and hand drums. You don't even have to put a stick in your hand. You just use your actual body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your voice and your hand for a rhythm is pretty two basic things you have on you all the time from the moment you're born. So uh, I think... To lend to your story uh, about going to Guitar Center or Sam Ash or wherever and buying a, a drum is that, yes, that is absolutely true. And it's at times, as a percussionist, a little discouraging because people take up the moniker, oh, I'm a percussionist, pretty quick. Yes, they do. Pretty quick. Yes, they and, do. And uh, they're like, oh, I'm a percussionist. And I'm like... <laughs> I see your student loans. 
I'm joking about that. Right, you don't right. have to go to a university to be a percussionist, of yeah. course. Had I done it all over again, I might have taken a different path. I don't know. Right. Um, but point being is that it's it's kind of it, you can gather rhythm out of uh, yourself pretty easily. And uh, so on one hand, it's tough because there's a lot of people running around saying, oh, well, I'm a percussionist. But then again, there's a large community that's being able to express themselves mm-hmm. um, rhythmically and get something out of them that was inside because really music or um, rhythm is inside of us. And when it comes out here to hear it, it's coming out. So um, it gives people a chance to take the things that are inside of them and uh, get them outside. And, uh, And that's kind of a cool thing about people being able to just take their hand or sticks or a quarter and or whatever and make a rhythm. So right. that's kind of the neat thing about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like, especially in like, like in a situation like, like drum circles, you know, like there's so many various, uh, there's a various, uh, variant. I don't know. There's a, the, people are at different levels of playing. You sure. can obviously tell, but it's a, a, like, it's a thing that people can come together and get that primal, sure. that primal shit out of them and just and leave it in the circle sure. and, and just build this insane, you know, whatever it becomes. But I, I'm curious, uh, what, do you have a lineage of music in your family? Um, so sort of, okay. sort of, um, in fact, uh, your listeners won't be able to uh, see this, but I'll, I'll talk about this um, this uh, photo up here. Um, my great grandfather. I think we have enough chord space. We can go over here. Yeah, can't let's, we? let's, let's go look at it. All yeah, right, let's, let's go, go look talk look about it. this over here. Okay, so anyway, it. okay, this is a, uh, a from 1920. A photo from 1920. Can I take a picture of it? Yeah, absolutely. Me? And um, try to get the glare off of it as best we can. I'll. Raise it. Hold on. You know, what? let me get let me get this out of the way here. It's okay. I just we're, we're in the li- we're in the living room here, and we're, <laughs> we're we're rearranging here. So, uh, for all you listeners, so um, at any rate, this is from the Buchanan picnic in 1920 in Somerset, Pennsylvania, and um, this is the Wooddale Harmon Band right here. Oh, okay, and that is my great grandfather playing tuba. Now, what's cool about this photo in particular is that you ask if I have music in my family. Yeah. This is really the only person who had like, you know, music uh-huh. that like did stuff. And, right. um, and even only up until a certain age and then did life. So this was kind of early on. But the thing that I particularly like about this photo um, is that this is the Buchanans are not relatives. Um, Somerset, Pennsylvania is close to where these relatives grew up and formed this marching band. And mm. for all you listeners, it's a uh, traditional early John Philip Sousa style marching band um, in the early 1920s uh, and 30s. But he he played tuba and um, and getting back to the fact that this is this is not relatives. So this is a picture. Uh, this is a gig picture. OK, which, you know, yeah. I have how many pictures of me playing at gigs. Right. And so this is, but this is really cool because this is my great grandfather at a gig, you know? <laughs> so, awesome. so it's really, it's kind of neat um, to have that. Uh, and I have his, his tuba mouthpieces that, that he played with, but that's the only person that um, as far as uh, any sort of like music or really the arts that anybody in the family 
really did. I, um, you know, creative people, but not anybody who took up any sort of music or even uh, casually playing guitar, like on the porch or anything yeah. like that. And really no one. So, okay. So yeah. you said that there were artists, there's, there is artists in your family. Well, not even artists, but just, I'm saying creative, just creative, 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 in people, general. Yeah, yeah. creative people, but no one who really ever like, um, you know, maybe conscientiously was like, Oh, I'm going to be creative. Right, you know? right, it was right. like, you know, Oh, well that was cool that you did that. That's pretty creative. You know, yeah. like more like that as opposed right, right. to, uh, an intent on being creative. Yeah. So then where, where did the idea of, of starting to play and, you know, start, you know, picking up percussion and, uh, well, what I, did you start on? Were I, you... I blame Mark Davis for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I was actually, um, when I started seventh grade, I was I actually started out playing cello. Oh, okay, okay. Hanging on my wall right oh, there. Oh, there it is. So, um, I, I'm sort of a pack rat. So, <laughs> so I think I have things from my past. Like <laughs> I really enjoy being able to say, "Yeah, that's the cello I started out playing right there on the wall," and um, it's still part of my life. And yeah. uh, so I started out playing cello. Um, had a good time with that. Uh, played in the. Uh, the Carnegie Mellon University Youth Pittsburgh Youth, Youth Orchestra in oh. Pittsburgh, grown up, and uh, and then by time high school started getting into uh, rolling around and getting into it, um, because of budgetary cuts and whatnot, the string program was going to sort of dissipate and not there won't be a strings instructor. So oh, I'd have to you know go outside of the school quite a bit to play. I wouldn't have an opportunity in school and. The drumline instructor for the high school marching band said, I have a, um, a spot open in the drumline playing marching timpani. And back in the early 80s, drum corps style marching bands and drum corps carried literally three, like each, uh, each person carried a timpani. So there would be sometimes three guys or four guys each. So almost like bass drummers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marching band, but they were. And so... This is at a transition time when drum corps and marching band were going from marching pits until stationary pits, which they then, I don't know if you're familiar with marching band or drum corps. At I was, all, I so. was a, I, I played bass, I played okay. the bass drum okay. for one year. Okay. So, you know, the pit in the front, that's the marimbas and the vibes and yes. the xylophone and the bells, that's called the pit. Okay. And so they went from a marching pit, which they carried the bells and everything like that on the field. Mm. Um, and until and then they went to a stationary pit so my first year that we were there was still kind of the thought process of marching and stationary and then my second year they stationary so i had no idea how to play drums or anything about drums but i could read quarter notes and half notes and whole notes so yeah, yeah. and i could hit you know i could play some rhythm right 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 and so i would you know was kind of instructed on how to hold this stick and where to hit it on this timpani and it was fairly easy, but I was like, I like this. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so my uh, my first year, I think I was maybe like forty second out of forty eight chairs. We had we had like forty, we had forty some in. I believe it was forty eight at one point, maybe forty five in our marching drum line. It was huge. Okay, I mean immense drum right, line. Right. Um, but I was maybe like. 42nd or 43rd chair and then like maybe my sophomore year i moved up to maybe like i you know like maybe 33 or something like mm -hmm. that i don't know you know a little bit yeah but then i started getting pretty serious about percussion i was like i, I really dig this and i uh, started taking some lessons um from a guy in my hometown outside of pittsburgh 
who was going to OU and studying with Guy Romanco. Oh, okay. So um, I was basically studying Guy's methodology mm -hmm. and um, and his his pedagogy um, and those the way he was teaching even two years before I even decided to go to Ohio University. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I was getting some pre-instruction on right. how to learn from guy yeah so anyway um i started taking lessons from a guy named steve treadle back in uh pennsylvania and i just really enjoyed it and practiced and got better yeah. and so my junior year then i went i started i auditioned and i played snare drum so my first two years i was in the complete lowest end of the right. and then my last two years i had studied and try and really worked and had become like maybe I think it was like twelfth chair and then like sixth chair. Yeah. So it really, really like ex it really tried very um, diligently the last two years to excel. And I started to think I wanted to go to school for percussion um, and be a musician for my career. My high school band director was um, cousins. His uh, is the cousin of Guy Romanco. So he suggested I audition at Ohio University oh. is where Guy uh, taught. And um, I only auditioned at Ohio University. I didn't have a backup plan. I had no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, I'd only been playing percussion for four years. I had only been playing more seriously for two years, had no drum set or mallet experience. So I, I really had no business in music school, um, but I'm stubborn and I try really hard when I'm into something right. and I really will go for it with a thousand, just a thousand percent forward. So um, I auditioned for a uh, guy and I got into music school and it all went from there. I went, uh, I, I went four years uh, to OU, and then I finished up at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, my, uh, I was, um, I was finishing up my instruction there. I always say I got, I you know, I finished up at Pitt, but I got my education at OU. I mean, I really, you know, I studied with a guy at Pitt, but, but Guy Romanco was the person who really formed formed me as a musician and, a, and an early percussionist. So, um, so that's kind of how I got into the percussion vein mm -hmm. and started working my way through the, the system and, um, you know, working my way through the ins and outs of the music business. But, uh, essentially it started by just a, I played cello and they needed a body on, <laughs> on timpani. And I was like, sure, so, I'll, tr I'll try it. <laughs> that's so funny. Cause that's like how I almost played all the instruments that I do play. Yeah. It's like, I, I started as a drummer, but the first band I started, I already had a drummer. They already had two guitars and I played guitar. So I had to go get a bass. Right. Right. Like, we need <laughs> a, bass, like, player, so yeah. a bass player. It, it, it's pretty much is like wherever I could fit and yeah. sneak my little ass in. Yeah. That's where how I yeah. was doing it. But yeah. so how did you, uh, when did you start incorporating like hand drums? Because that's a very formal like snare and timpani, yeah. a very formal percussion, a percussion education. When did like the polyrhythm and the, and the congas and the, and all the. Well, it was pretty much right away at okay. OU because um, there was a, a, a youngster at the time named Eric Payton, who is um, a hand percussionist. I think he's the professor at Capital University. He has um, some gr uh, great um, ensemble, Latin ensemble called Yumbambe here in Columbus. And um, he was really starting to 
up and come with the hand drumming stuff around Columbus. Um, he's a few years older than me, but he, I, he was having some influence on guys thinking about world drumming. So guy was trying to incorporate some of that stuff. Now I remind you of the story. I said, I started late as a percussionist. Right. There were guys playing since fourth and fifth grade. Right. And they had already worked their way into drum set and things like that and mallets. Mm -hmm. And when I got to school of music, guys sort of had their niche. Mm -hmm. um, you were either uh, maybe a jazz vibe player primarily. That's what your focus was. Right. Or maybe you were a classical marimba player. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you were a, um, you know, a, um, a drum set player, you know, a swing player, a big band player or something, you know. Um, I didn't have really that niche. I was a drum corps guy. And um, sure, you know, I could have focused on the marching and the drum corps, stuff like that. But like it would have been in instructional, pretty much instructional roles only because you age out of drum corps at 21 for junior corps. And then senior corps is kind of like, I mean, it's like playing single A baseball. You know, <laughs> it's it's cool. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's a lot different than junior core. Okay. And uh, like junior core is like the, 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 and uh, you know, the top league, okay. you know, major league of, um, dr of drum core. So and to this day, I enjoy snare drumming and, uh, and drum core and a lot of things that are aspects of that. But, um, I saw this auxiliary type of thing, uh, kungas and, you know, shakers and, and in the first on percussion ensemble piece we played was a uh, I remember a piece called Natty Stick by Andy Norell, a steel pan player, and all the percussion parts were written out. There were like four guys playing percussion, like in, in the role of a percussionist, and each part was written out, you know, of what was on the recording the percussionist was playing. Mm. Um, so like, you know, when you'd hear the you know moo, it's like you know it was literally written out on a piece of paper, you know, two, three moo you know <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah. that was kind of like my very first like oh there are guys that are doing things over here like um color mm -hmm. they're setting a tone they're right. setting a mood i was like well that's kind of neat i was like i kind of dig that and um so as time developed on you know i was gravitating towards that not only because i just liked it but there was a conscientious thought there are guys doing other things in percussion already that are so far beyond what I would have to even be catching up to get to, you know, I'm years behind some of these guys on things. Yeah. Um, where do we stand even? Where do we stand? Like, where are we all coming in as something like, what can I do in percussion and what can I um, try that maybe... Um, we're all just trying and and so hand drumming and percussion auxiliary percussion um sort of was where that was i was we were all pretty much no nobody was in high school really playing kungas or you know timbales or anything right. like that i mean you know was, there was no jambes on every shelf you know right right it really wasn't so we it, everybody was coming in a pretty even footing as mm -hmm. a percussionist an auxiliary player um you know, it didn't interest a lot of guys, you know, they kind of, you know, did their, their thing. And, uh, I just always found myself, uh, taking the opportunity at every moment to, um, uh, take on the role of auxiliary percussionist. Oh, you need, there's also already a drum set player. Oh, well I'll, I'll grab some of these things and uh, check out, uh, check this out, you know, yeah, and, yeah. or there's a recording session. 
Um, most of the things covered. Well, hey, can I come in and just uh, for a half hour and, sh- and play a couple shakers and different things like that to, you know, kind of add a little bit more color or texture to it? And they're like, yeah. So um, I found myself putting, uh, I found situations to put myself in to develop uh, over the time that I was uh, studying at Ohio University and the University of Pittsburgh to grow and uh, as that type of player. Yeah. Now, were you, um, when you were learning this, or were you out actively playing in bands, like playing out, or was it mostly an academic thing while you were well, in it was, college? It, well, you know, the th- interesting thing is that um, in the academic life, you get sort of boxed in. I feel like it's almost like like uh, the university environment and academia is, is sort of like a, a chicken egg shell Mm -hmm. and uh, the inside is all you know the the academic process and the the whole academic um environment and at some point you you kind of you kind of poke you kind of poke your finger out of that and you're like whoa (laughs) you know there are clubs you can play in you don't have to play in the recital hall you know it's like oh wow you know Mm -hmm. that's pretty neat you know and so you start to, as you go to college and become of age where you're legally going out to bars and places where there's music or even, you know, when you're, you know, trying to go into places before you're of age to see music and things like that, you know, and then you start to talk to people, you start to be like, oh, well, I've kind of got a group here. Can we come up here and play? You know, so you start to bridge those gaps. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, you know, usually in most college towns, there's an academic group of musicians. Right. And then there's like, you know, guys who are like uh, sitting in the dorm who played guitar in high school. They're, not, they're going to school for engineering They're yeah. but they're, you know, in the evening, they like to, to sit around and play guitar with their dorm mates. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's where the gap sort of starts to, to come together a little bit in college. You know, you're like, you hear a guitar player, you know, you've been studying over in the music building and, you know, you're getting all these kind of uh, ideas and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you hear a guitar player that you don't know down the end of the hallway in your dorm. And you're like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a percussionist. You know, you want to, I'm, I'm bringing a drum over. You want to just, you know, want to do some jamming. And then, you know, things kind of organically grow like that right. uh, at, at the, uni- in the university setting. Like, I think there's, you know, because then, because you know, there were plenty of guys. Um, uh, I've actually I played in a band early in Columbus here, a band by the name of Ma Rainey. Who uh, all those guys went to OU at the same time I did, mm. but we did not know each other. Oh, okay. They played at, at OU, uh, played in bands. Uh, Matt Arajama, the bass player, who later played in One Under with me. Um, we he played in a band called The Crunch. I'd go see The Crunch every now and then, but I I didn't know them and. Uh, I didn't interact with them. They were in the rock and roll club thing. I was still doing, you know, academic recitals and and bridging the, that gap a little bit more. But um, so even guys that I ended up playing with here in Columbus a few years later, uh, you know, we didn't know each other in the university setting. So right, right. Um, I will also say that a lot of times I think in any area of study, academic sort of starts to as open-minded as it can be sort of starts to close its own walls in on itself you know it's um unfortunate and my wife is a school teacher and i always kind of break her break her balls uh because i'm like you know your industry is just 
riddled with every four years something new because you have a group of individuals studying at the academic setting for four or five, six years, and then they come out as the next, then boom, right. there's a, there's a new school of thinking. You know, right. Well, this is going to be revolutionary, you know, and, right. and, you know, we always laugh because so many people are, are, you know, they, they don't understand common core math and stuff like that. And it's funny. There's, they were using this stuff called new math at the time. It was in the early sixties, mm -hmm. a very similar type of process. And so, the point being is that, you know, these things, uh, you know, they, they come around and um, they there's a, a new school of thinking. And, you know, getting back to the, the thing is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in academics and I'm I'm in these walls and there's these other guys who are doing stuff outside of these walls. And lo and behold, when we get out of that environment of the university setting, we come together, we came together. Yeah. You know unknowingly about the things in the past but here you know there's an environment boom we come in, we, we're all living in columbus they have a rock uh you know a kind of a um a jam rock uh, out blues rock outfit i'm playing percussion i'm looking for music and we come together I, i'm not 100 percent positive that happens enough between um academic people studying music in the four walls of a, of a conservatory a music building and the general population out and about in a in in the general community so um lo a long way around yes eventually it did happen where mm -hmm. you know those um waters started to to mix and the brine became a little bit uh better yeah but um it takes a while because you know the academic side is kind of telling you here's what you need to do right the other side is telling you this is what we're going to do so right anyway no no i, I had this, a similar experience where it's just that i felt like the academic side of it just sterilized it for me it, it, to the point where i just was like i'm, I'm not even going to go to school for music anymore because i was just like what the f yeah like i don't i don't care about the baroque period or whatever yeah. the fuck you know yeah. like that's not what i'm here for you know yeah I'm, I'm here to learn some very core fundamentals sure. and, and then break, throw those out the fucking window. Sure, yeah. Um, which I didn't know at the time because, of course, they're telling you yeah. what you're, you have to do. Sure. I remember I had this professor who um, we brought in some kind of like, uh, it was some kind of like Middle Eastern, you know, like it had the crazy uh, um, micro tones in it with the crazy, sure. you know, in between note notes. And, um, he, we put it on. He was an opera singer, classically trained, had a great ear. I mean, he could just hear like he just had perfect pitch. Yeah. And, and I mean, like he, he was great at exactly what he did. And we played this for him. And he was like, oh, God, this is just uh, like this is just ugly. It's ugly. He called it ugly. And I'm like, this is like people's religion, man. Fuck that guy, man. <laughs> I know, for real. But he's like. Even if I hate it, it's not ugly. Fuck that. Right. That pisses me off because I don't argue senses. I have no idea what your eyes, your ears, your, your, your tongue taste, your hands right. touch. Okay, yeah, we both we're looking at this drum and it's green. We both agree commonly that this is green. Right. What do your eyes see as green? I have no idea. <laughs> right. I have no idea what your eyes literally interpret as green. Like, yeah. or like, here's even an even better example. How many cats do you know that could put a ghost pepper in their mouth and just crunch down on it and be like, yep. Good. <laughs> and how many people can't even eat black pepper? Right. Like, you don't know what each person senses and their sensory uh, receptors are telling them. So, 
fuck that guy. There's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no bad. Right. I might hate it. Right. There's plenty of things that I hate. Yes. On all my senses. Yes. I hate cold water. <laughs> I freaking can't. You can go, it could be 90 degrees outside. It could be a beautiful day. If the water's not up to snuff for me, I'm not swimming. <laughs> I hate it. Can't stand cold water. Right, you know, right. I mean, there's certain things that I don't, can't stand to hear. Yeah. I don't, I, I, musical theater makes me want to, I mean, pull my ears off. <laughs> Do I think it sucks? No. <laughs> you cannot use the word sucks or right. bad because right. clearly, it's not. You might be able to, on a technical sense, argue with somebody. Okay, now look. You, you, it, this is bad because of these technical reasons. Mm -hmm. Like this is not great. Right. Maybe you might be able to say that. But when you start getting into critical words about the senses and someone's reception of those sense uh, into those senses, I think you're treading on dangerous territory because you're. I mean, I think that's why. You, you know, like say a music critic or might be loathed so much, even mm. if they put out good reviews, somebody doesn't like that recording right. and they think, my God, they're an idiot. <laughs> right. How could they like that? That was an awful recording. Well, mm. it wasn't awful. Yeah. It was terrible to your ears. Right. Your auditory receptor said, nay, nay, nay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Does that mean it's bad? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so that really bothers me when when I hear stories about people using those type of words about um, any of the senses. Like you can't do that. This is against the rules in my book. And my kids, I don't let my kids do it. My mm -hmm. we can have a conversation at my dinner table, and I can tell my kids about how I am just not loving a song that they're listening to, and I cannot stand it in my ears and blah blah blah. And my kids will be like, oh, "Okay, cool." They take no offense to it. Right. And they can say the same thing about, you know, something, uh, you know, a movie that I've watched or something that I've seen or touched. And, you know, I might touch something and be like, wow, that is really, really an amazing texture. And my one daughter might be like, dad, I hate that. That's fine. Right. That's not a problem. Yeah. That's not a problem. You hate that. Right. It doesn't suck. It's not awful. It's not the worst thing. It's not unworthy right. no can't do it can't do it so well, and, and then like on on the and the other side of that are the people who are being who are like so offended that you don't like something that they did or something that they like there's some pretty insecure people i feel like that's where this country's at <laughs> like, i feel like that's pretty i feel like it's pretty pretty insecure it's like listen it you hate pizza <laughs> i could live in a bathtub of pizza right. okay so cool right I got no problems if you hate pizza. It doesn't affect my love of pizza. Right. But I do believe that confidence comes into play. You have to be way okay with, with people not liking you. Yeah. Not, listen, my dad gave me some of the best advice. I went to Catholic school up until through sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, uh, of course, in my sixth grade year, my parents built a home. Uh, and in seventh grade, I went to uh, Trinity High School public school in Pennsylvania, which I always laugh at because my grade school was a Catholic school was John F. Kennedy, which, you know, fine, whatever. But my public high school was Trinity High School, which sounds <laughs> like. A, right. right. So it anyway, the, the, right. So anyway, the point being is that my dad said, not everybody's going to like you and you're not going to like everybody. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. 
be kind and friendly as best you can. Yes. And let people be kind and friendly the best they can. Right. But you're not going to like everybody and not everybody's going to like you. So just get over it. Yeah. And that led to a a lot of confidence. Like, you're right. Let's just get over it. Um, You know, you may not like me. There are people listening here. I'm telling you now. There are people going to listen who are like, I can't stand that motherfucker. (laughs) You know what I tell all those motherfuckers? I don't care. I could care less if you like me. Right. Yeah. I would hope that if we met in person, I could be kind enough or we could have a civil enough interaction that it doesn't rise to the level of hatred. (laughs) We might dislike each other very much and you might even meet me and dislike me. I still don't care. I'm not going to please everybody. <laughs> if, if you've ever had like like anybody like like just shit talking you bad online or or just just sh- like you wouldn't believe. Okay, I, I, I'm sure you have. Uh, I've seen some of the shit you post too. <laughs> oh no no, I am a shit talker. I, lo- I love oh, it. Oh no no I no, I am post. a shit talker. Listen. I love your book. But like, have you ever got to? Uh, like, oh yes. Very rarely do I ever get shit on something I post from somebody, and then see them in person, and they're like, "Hey, you know what? Fuck you with that shit." It's yeah. like it's very. Yeah. Um, generally, people when they when they're especially this online shit. Oh where yeah. Where yeah. They'll just throw shit at yeah. you, like not even care. But like, they don't have the dick to come to you face to face and and actually sit there. I think everybody. I think everybody at some point has been guilty of that. Like, oh yeah, I, yeah I think me too. Everybody. But I think everybody, you know, you know, gets, you know, gets the bravado on behind oh, yes. the keyboard occasionally. Oh, yeah. We all make a mistake. <laughs> yes. We all make a mistake. I would hope that, you know, I would hope that everybody who realizes they've made a mistake, including you and I, yeah. that those mistakes remain in the past. Right. And we don't repeat that type of mistake. Because, you know, I know there's been a couple instances over the years where I've been like, hmm. That was beyond questionable, and uh, don't ever do that again. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, it's. I, I really feel like that. Um, I mean, like you said, you brought up, you know, my, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a knucklehead on Facebook, but, I but love I, it. But I look at, I look at Facebook as an entertainment space. It is. It's not Absolutely. an information space. My <laughs> wife and I argue all the time. She's got pictures of so and so's baby. She's got pictures of so and so's vacation. I said, you know who posts pictures on my Facebook pages? Of kids, me. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, it's not a news information space. Mine is. Let's all let's laugh. Let's argue. Yeah. Let's cry. Let let's get emotional. I'm an emotional person. I'm very emotional in all directions. And for me, Facebook is an extension of those emotions. That's really simply all it is. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not purposely trying to offend anybody. I'm not purposely trying to avoid fending, offending anybody. Right. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I have been accused of stirring the pot. It's not my intention. Mm. I, I, If you want to blame me for inciting conversation, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> but certainly shit stirring is not my intention <laughs> because I like to debate and argue. Mm. You know, if anybody who had Art Richardson uh, uh, in... Um, Art Richardson in, um, in at Trinity High School, um, probably would understand the love of debate yeah. <laughs> and the the love of someone look at you and go, "Why? Yeah, how come? Yeah, what for? Yeah, what do you think about this? I think this, and and uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. And um, so, 
to answer your question, yes, there have been there have been a few that have crossed lines. Um, I'd like to hope that they were in a bad place, um, maybe with uh, substance abuse or mental illness. Yeah, I'd like to hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you should be working at Burger King because that's all the talent level you have and probably should die the slow death you deserve. Oh, my. Yeah, that was a good one. That, that seared in, huh? That was a good one. Whoo! <laughs> good one. <laughs> Uh, I, I think the one, my favorite one I've ever got was just an email of, uh, from this lady who, who, who listened to the entire podcast, like, the, and she listened to the entire show yeah. and was, and I know this because she was pointing out very specific things late in the show. <laughs> yes. Like throughout the show, it was like, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And this person Decided to write me this egregious email <laughs> wishing that my family burns or whatever. Oh, my it was. God. Took, uh, the, took the time to listen that far through. That far through. And, and I'm just like. You sure there's not an ex-girlfriend or something like that? <laughs> you know, it could be. It could be because it was kind of early. That sounds ex-girlfriend-like. It, it, it was kind of early in the show. So it was kind of like off-putting to, to say former the partner you pissed off or something. <laughs> which, which is a, a completely a real possibility because no, I, I was a big dickhead yeah, in my day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it, 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 it's, it's weird, right? It's just a, it's a weird thing for, to think about somebody sitting there and yeah. just thinking the worst, yeah. most heinous thing. I'm better with it now than I was <laughs> a long time ago. Like I might, I, I might've, uh, those kind of things might've like sat in my head for a couple more hours than they do these days. I guess I'm kind of like, here, I'll tell you what, let me give you, I, 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 I come from my, I brought up my dad. And some things that he said, I call my dad a blue collar philosopher. Hey, dad, John Polanski, Jr., Jumbo. Um, I call him a blue collar philosopher. He's got all these sayings. And uh, in fact, uh, it, it, I've, I've repeated so many of them that I was talking to Ed McGee not that long ago. And he, he will actually say things like, oh, this is something Johnny's dad would say or, you know, in the style of or actually quoting my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That he says so many of these blue collar philosophy um, uh, types of things, but um, I, you know, years ago, I would maybe be a little more worked up about it, and I kind of turned it around because, like, I would be like, say, lamenting to my father about, like, um, oh, oh, God, you know, like, so and so is, you know, uh, oh, you know. So and so sports figure is, you know, playing terrible, blah, blah, blah. I can't stand how he is on the on the interviews and blah, blah, blah. My dad would just look at me and go, He's not sitting around talking about you. <laughs> that's, that's very good. He, 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 talk talk all you want, brother. Right, but he, right. he doesn't care because he's not sitting around talking about you. Absolutely. You're talking about him. Absolutely. So guess who's got the upper hand right here? Right. Which is a great point. It's like, so, you know, they're out there. Yeah, you're out, out there. there. You're worried about you're worried about my death. Right. That's that's on you, Obi, because yeah, I'm not worried right. about that's your right. shit. That's right. Um so yo, so like after college, what was your like? Where did you end up? Like, how did you? Well, I I, I was I was um, I was kicking it around Pittsburgh, okay. uh, and I played in a uh, I played in a couple bands around there. Uh, played in a, a reggae band that was out of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, just there were some a uh, couple island guys uh, who went in and out of the band, and uh, you know, just. 
you know, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't an island reggae band, but it was, you know, the best thing that, you know, that Pittsburgh had pr- produced, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it was really good. I'm not, I don't want to discount it, but I yeah, mean, yeah. it's kind of funny. My dad, once again, all you'd be like Pittsburgh reggae, Pittsburgh <laughs> reggae. I'm not getting it. And, uh, you know, you, 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 that's where we need to go next. We need to go do a podcast with my dad. Um, uh, so, uh, anyway, the band's name was Ross Prophet, and um, okay. and uh, w- great great group of individuals. Um, uh, in fact, there's a couple guys: um, John Mullins, band bass player; Sam Collis, oh, Sammy okay. Collis. Uh, for a while, he played. We're we we're, we're from Pittsburgh together. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy named um, uh, Sean Bahanna, who also moved to Columbus and played with a bunch of bands okay. in Columbus. We were in that outfit together in in Pittsburgh, and um, so. I ironically uh in 93 a friend of ours was working for a company called Malatech which um was a percussion company in Asbury Park New Jersey and the um the owner was a guy named Lee Howard Stevens classical marimba player and uh so so the percussive arts society international convention just happened to be in columbus that year and uh, a friend of mine was coming out from asbury park and setting up the malatech booth at the convention and so um he came out and had said my uh my staff no, actually, I'm sorry. Let me rewind that. He had moved the company from Asbury Park at that point. So he had moved the company from Asbury Park, my friend, mm-hmm. um, and the owner had physically moved the operations from Asbury Park to uh, out, uh, s- south of Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. So, um, you know, labor, everything was, you know, rent cheaper down there. I mean, he went, you know, a- it was just astronomical, the numbers operating in Asbury Park versus yeah. a- operating in Gurdon, Arkansas. <laughs> so, yeah, worst place in the world. I'm sorry to all you Gurdonites, but there's a lot of worst places uh, in the world in yeah. Arkansas. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me tell you, I lived in Arkansas with the Arkansanians. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rev Kev. Um, the so, Ozarks are beautiful. No, listen, listen. Beautiful is is yes. <sighs> Some other things though, but anyway, um, I'm not down with it. <laughs> so, uh, at any rate, he they had moved the operations to um, Arkansas. That he was coming up to the to the percussive arts convention in uh, Columbus, mm. Ohio. Um, I was living in Pittsburgh, so me and um, another person went down to Arkansas, um, and uh, it was my ex wife, my wife at the time, ex wife, and we moved, went down there. We were all went to college together. We helped him come up to the percussive arts convention and work the convention. Mm. And uh, it went really well. And then he went back to Arkansas and we weren't really doing much. And then Lee offered my ex-wife and I jobs down in Arkansas and we weren't really doing much. So we thought, well, let's try it out. So we went down there and um, worked for Malatech. And I just, I, I can't say enough about, I don't want to live in Arkansas. Um, just not my thing. Yeah. I realized through that experience, I'm a north of the Mason-Dixon line, east of the Mississippi kind of guy. Gotcha. And I'm even more east 
of the Mississippi than east of the Mississippi. So um, we took the jobs, didn't like it, uh, you know, about just one day, like nine months later, I, I was like, do you want to move to Columbus? And she's like, sure, move to Columbus. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's how the conversation went. And that's how I moved to Columbus. Oh, okay. So, so that's how you just ended up in the area. Yes. And you haven't gone anywhere since. Like, you haven't lived anywhere since. Um, well, if you you look out that window right there. Yes. Sir. That blue. Yeah. That I lived there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I rented that house. Is that where you lived when you first moved here? Uh, no, I oh, actually okay. lived um um about five blocks north of here. Oh, okay. So, so you stayed I, in the kind of the same little yeah, neighborhood and everything. I don't move, <laughs> and I don't help people move. <laughs> I hate moving. Too. I don't help people move. I, I, listen, if you call me at three o'clock in the morning to help you with a flat tire in the middle of a snowstorm, I will come help you. <laughs> I'm not helping you move. You can borrow my van. I'm not helping you move. I have beer and pizza. I have money. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you money to get somebody to help you move. Right. Because I'm tell you, every time I've helped somebody move, you show up and they're like, "Oh, cool. I just got to pack up the house." Yeah. Just You're help, like, just help me box Wait all this. a second. <laughs> you said help move. You right. didn't say help pack right. your kitchen. That's a totally different thing. Total different thing. Totally so different thing. Um, you can use my van. You can have money. I'll buy my own beer and pizza. And I'll help you change a flat tire in the snow. Yeah. But no moving. Not helping. No me. moving. No. So to, to answer your question, I, I've, I've, I lived up um, uh, on, a, uh, on a street called Como, uh, Como Avenue here in Columbus, and then I moved right there, lived there for about 15 months, and then I moved here with the, uh, um, I bought this house in 2003. So oh, I've been nice. here since 2003. Nice. I was there f from uh, roughly 2001-ish, and then I was from 94 to there so I, I don't move i don't move very no often. i i feel you man like mm -hmm. my, my parents are pack rats and and i got yeah. some of that i yeah. got some of that but like yeah. we moved a lot when i was a kid yeah. and it was the worst oh, yeah. thing yeah. in the fucking world like just yeah. carrying old garbage yeah. that you know is not yeah. worth shit but, but you're just carrying yeah you're it down. moving it you're like why am i moving this i don't this need this the worst thing we I didn't we it. only moved once when i was a kid that i was aware of like we moved like once when i was like six months old like but in the same neighborhood and then, um, and then we just moved one time when my parents built their house that they still live in now. They built it in 1979, yeah. and we moved in on December 23rd. We moved a Christmas tree yeah. and uh, and a couple pillows and some blankets, and uh, we said to hell with it. We'll get the rest later. But we had Christmas in our new house. Oh, that's nice. So um, yeah, I don't, I've lived here, and um, I've lived in Columbus and specifically here since 2003. Um, and I, I feel very appreciative of Columbus. Yeah. I, I love it. It's my adopted hometown. I am. Uh, I consider myself uh, a native Columbusite. I don't. I think that's what they call maybe Colombianan. I don't know. Colombianan. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm a Columbusanian. There you go. We're going with that. We're going with. That. But 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 I I I I consider myself. This is my my town. Um, I like being a. Uh, I like it being my town only to a certain degree. Mm. I'm not a Blue Jackets fan at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> when you're born and bred a Penguins fan, you don't you don't take on other. I'm not gonna take on another team. <laughs> Just don't do that. I'm not gonna do that. No crap. real man. I does like the that. Buckeyes. I like the Buckeyes. Yeah. They're fun. Uh, I like college sports, and so that's fun. But uh, uh, you know, 
being here in the middle of the Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns territory, mm-hmm. you know, being in the small club of Steeler fans around here, I kind of uh-huh. like that. You know, so I'm I'm in. I, I love it here. Um, it's my my Pittsburgh roots are part of my identity. It's one of the reasons why I, I always think I could not move back to Pittsburgh mm. because part of my identity is Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you know Johnny. Yeah, originally from Pittsburgh, guy percussionist. Mm. You know, like those are part of my identities. Right, right. Like if I would go back there, they'd be like, mm-hmm. hey, you know Johnny, be just from here. Johnny here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny right now. I yeah, guess. you know, yeah, him here. Not now, as yeah. not as impressive. it's not as cool. It's not <laughs> as cool. So Johnny from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I feel you yeah. there, and that's how I felt with Toledo, man. Because I, I moved away from Toledo in like 2006 and moved to San Diego, uh-huh. and and. And um and then just I had a baby out there and yep. my wife was like fuck this we're yep. not doing we're not doing California rent no more no and so she had to drag me back here yeah. screaming yeah. and like I always liked the idea like Toledo is a cool place to be sure. from sure sure I don't know how cool it is to exist in but thank God it's yeah. gotten better no thank absolutely God. absolutely I you know all my actually interestingly enough is that I'm well versed in Toledo yes you should be my I mean, uh, my wife uh, Nicole is um from rossford oh okay so she graduated from rossford high school gotcha, gotcha. and uh i spent a lot of time up uh um on harvest uh over in west toledo and um and uh, down in rossford with yeah. at her at her folks and um so i i have a pretty good a pretty good understanding and a pretty good grasp on uh toledo and i i, I like it personally well you know like at the time personally for me at the time toledo wasn't much there wasn't much for a musician like myself sure. to do there sure i mean you had your occasional shows uh, that would come through and uh, obviously like fucking hookah had yeah. a great market there or still does yeah. jesus christ yeah. um you know it, and you know, but but as a working musician there, it wasn't much to do about nothing. So it was, I I abandoned the ship. But when I came back, I found that there is now a market for working musicians, and sure. and, 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 and and there's things to do, and like there's a downtown that's not just filled with abandoned warehouses sure. and and homeless people, yeah. And, so like I, I really love what's happened to the town. I'm really thankful that I came back to something and not like what I left. So yeah. So it's not too bad. It, it was a hard blow to my ego. I'll tell you that. But was- I I can imagine. <laughs> I think about you know I put myself in that kind of scenario. Think about moving back to my hometown and you know outside of, it. it the unique thing about it is that I grew up outside of Pittsburgh. Mm. So even if I moved back, right. you know I'm still move. I'd be moving into a. Right. Into the city, or you know, it, it it would be it would be a little bit different, and it is a, a a little different than, but like, if I were moving to my individual hometown and it was like standalone on its own, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, at least Toledo is like you know, mid level market, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's coming along. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of um, infrastructure. There's a lot of things coming along with Toledo. I I've always enjoyed Toledo. I've never had a problem, but I'm not from there. Right. I like to. Fancy myself as a part-time resident of a lot of places. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so I find um, a lot of enjoyment, and I try to get a lot of the good stuff out of really wherever I am and where I'm existing. That's not living there. Yeah. So I do get the difference between right. living somewhere and just visiting and just visiting yeah. and being a part-time resident right, and enjoying right. it as a part-time resident. Right, exactly. Now, I think one of the remedies to that, honestly, is that if people – um, we try to do this in our home is you really try to identify your town through the lens of 
you know, the so-called staycation. Mm -hmm. Like, really, what would I do in this town if I were coming here to visit? What would I prioritize? Now, of course, we all, we have, you know, in all, in your town, my town here, you know, Pittsburgh, wherever you live, you have things that, oh, yeah, we have a wonderful art museum in, yeah. in town. We have a wonderful children's museum. Right. How many times you go visit that art museum or that historical society? Right. The point being is that we have these things that we sometimes boast about, but we fail to actually go participate in. Right. So what I try to do with the family here is that we try to, uh, you know, to your point there about our towns and building things up and things getting better, is they try to look for the things that I would maybe do if I were in another town visiting. Yeah. Like, what would I... If I just popped down into New Orleans for what would be on my list of generalities, food, music, uh, you know. Right. So wh where can I do that here if I was just popping into into Columbus? Just where I'm going to ask the quest, kind of questions I would ask if I would go to another town. Wh where is the live music venues, you know, and I'm here, you know, so I'm going to pick an off day. I might be Wednesday. Just pick a venue I don't usually go to and just go to that venue. Don't yeah. even figure out what's going on there. Right. You know? How many times do you do that in, in a strange town? Right. You'd be like, where's the live music venues? I kind of like blues. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you got to go over to Sam blah, blah, blahs. Right. You know, okay. And you might just go there and not even think. Who's playing there? I'll just go stumble upon something. Yeah. So I think it's important that maybe uh, we try to remember to do that in our own hometowns, which I think maybe would put a little bit more of a shine on the old, worn feeling we have for things. Right. Maybe. So I don't know. Uh, I, I like your idea that, and I always remember people before I left was like, you know, the city is what you make of it. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, right, you right, know, yeah, like right. No, fuck you, it's not. Yeah, it's like, fuck you. I'm uh, making it shitty. <laughs> and that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, and to think about who I was at that person, as that person then is, is, you know, I was that asshole. But, um, Let's uh let's jump over to hookah then. So cool. how did how did we get how did that all come together? Well, as a as an auxiliary percussionist, you you really you really have to find situations to inject yourself mm. in because there's another uh, sort of a mantra we go by: uh, last hired, first fired. <laughs> <laughs> you do not need an auxiliary percussionist. Yeah, absolutely. It is a luxury. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's either, you know, you're either playing with bands that uh, no one's making any money, and so it doesn't matter if we have another body. Yeah. Or we're playing in places that it doesn't matter if the space is taken up because right. we're, we're playing in warehouses with our friends. Right, you know? right, right. It's when you start getting into situations where bands are playing for money, mm. Um, out of town, um, in certain uh, spatial considerations, that it gets a little harder to convince people that they need a percussionist. Yeah. So, what you learn to do is have you ever been sitting outside, say, I don't know, maybe at a festival, I don't know, seven o'clock? Maybe it's like August time. And you forgot your bug spray and there's mosquitoes and there's like three flying around your ear. Non fucking stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had those moments. Yeah. You do just about anything, <laughs> including let them bite you if they would just die. Right. Well, I took that approach. <laughs> <laughs> Can I bug you enough that the better 
option is let him play. Just fucking just play. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to take that approach in most things. <laughs> I mean, it's why there's people listening. They're like, "Fuck you! I hate you! You bug the shit out of me." <laughs> well, they don't say the squeaky wheel gets the grease for nothing. Exactly. Right. right. I. I literally. I just. You know. Interestingly enough, I had been in Columbus since. 94, as I said, mm. and I did not even meet any of the hookah guys or really interject myself or do anything until 99, 98, 99. It was, you so you didn't even know about their existence? Uh, or anything. Well, maybe a little bit. Because right. like, they, they already had like a great following sure, by then. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do remember one time maybe going to see them at the Newport when John was in the band oh, the first okay. time. And I distinctly remember being like, oof. <laughs> Nay, nay. I don't know what this is about, but I don't like it in my earballs. Yes, yes. No. Yeah. I, in fact, I even might have wrote a journal entry. I keep, I keep been keeping a journal since the early nineties. Oh, so that's great. I got like twenty five books of journals. That's and, so awesome. And I'm positive I have that story <laughs> in my journals. What, what, what was it exactly that didn't ring your earballs? About uh, hookah it, well, in the Mullins the, ears. The same thing that rocks everybody else's. <laughs> okay. All right. The songwriting. Fair enough. I, it's not my thing. Mm. It's not my thing. Um, I, 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 you know, I like John. Um, John and I had, uh, you know, a, a, a limited acquaintance. I mm. mean, it's interesting because we played in the same band at different times. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah. you, you think about any band that you might have played in, um, or that another player played in after you that you, you you don't you you didn't just because you played in that same band together different right. doesn't mean you know each other exactly John and I didn't really know each other that well um, all of our interactions were were good I always kind of sort of laugh because people will say you know ask me how well I knew John or you know blah 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 and I'll say well here's a good example of how well I knew John I don't have any bad stories about John. <laughs> That's well. There you go. I don't have one bad story about John. None. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. I've got no good stories that like people are like, oh yeah, this one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but I don't. I you know, I I don't have any uh, any stories uh, about John. Um, but uh, I didn't really love uh, the vibe of the of the songs. That's really what it was. It yeah. wasn't. But. Um. Hopefully to get myself back in the good graces of anybody who now hates me because I don't not like John's song. There's some songs that I really enjoy, but I think this probably goes to the way I listen to music as opposed to the quality of anything. Mm -hmm. Once again, you remember I talked about the aural senses right. like like John isn't bad. John's great. Right. John's songs are great. Right. Maybe in somebody else's ears, they're even better mm. than my ears. So, um, but um uh i listen from the bottom up i don't listen from the top down mm. lyrics impact people so much more dramatically than they impact me yep. they don't impact me quite the same way as a lot of people that's much like we talked about the rhythm earlier mm -hmm. People have that in them all the time. What else do you have all the time? You've got words. Yeah. You can read. You can hear words. Right. You can listen to words. Right. You can identify with words very easily. Mm -hmm. And John um, was very good at that. 
that didn't connect to me. What connected me, what, and what connects me to music is, I mean, give me the pocket. Yeah. What are this? What are you talking about up there? I, I'm sorry, you said something, but I did not catch that. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I'm the same way. I'm the same exact way. I'm not way. trying to offend any yeah. songwriters because they do great, great jobs mm. at their craft. I'm just saying when I listen to something, mm. it's not exactly the way that I'm listening. Right. To I, I feel like though when the singer's singing, it just sort of becomes part of like melody and and the melody rhythm. It doesn't really register. I'm not listening to words. The story. I'm listening to the yeah. beat. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I that is so far from yeah. what I'm listening to. But it just it be, it just becomes part of the whole. But I'm listening to the beat. And I'm listening to the bass. I'm listening to hey, what's that synth doing? Like what's this? Yeah, doing? I'm definitely listening this, to it in a different way than yeah. the, than the than yeah. the lyrics. Lyrics are hitting me now. Let me throw this in. When I go back or I listen to or I pay attention to the lyrics, then which I always make make myself do. You mm -hmm. know, if you're enjoying a song, get the whole picture. Yes. If you're playing a song, get the whole yes. picture. Yes. Understand what you're doing. It just may be not how I listen to songs when I'm listening to something new. Right. Um, or even when I'm listening to stuff I've listened to a thousand times and I've listened to what the lyrics mean, I still revert back to yeah. how I'm listening from the bottom up. Absolutely. So it isn't a strange stretch that I was like, oh, you know, this wonderful, amazing songwriter isn't hitting me. Right. It's like, well, he's a songwriter. You know, he's writing stories and connecting letters into words, into stories. So it's it, it it's it's really the reason why... I, I attribute to that the band and him and that music didn't really maybe hit me at first. Yeah. So um, um, I have a very different opinion of the songs I played of Ed's in Hookah. Yeah. Um, I, they create a little different layer and texture for my role so it's very complicated because somebody might just hear this and think he doesn't like john he does like ed right he does like dave he doesn't like blah right, you know right. like you someone will not sift through this enough to understand it has to do with how i listen to music it has to do with how I play music and it has to do with how a song lends itself with cracks for me to put something in. Mm -hmm. You cannot fill cracks that are not there. And certain songwriters don't create a tremendous amount of cracks because the lyric content is so important. Yeah. Simply put, you know, so for all the listeners out there, who are simply hearing, I like, I don't like, I like, I don't like. Right. You're incorrect. <laughs> Tell your Alexa, go back 60 seconds, listen again. Right. <laughs> go back 60 seconds, <laughs> listen again, until you get it right. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, it, absolutely. And, and it, I, I agree with you so much with that because it's it, – it, 
like you just explained it like how the years of me trying to explain it to people like you just said it very eloquently so i i, I thank you for that sure, because sure. because that's like a, a great way of saying how i hear music too and, and especially as someone who started with a rhythmic instrument but what was uh so how did you how did you finally buzz your way into okay, the so, ears of sure, the- <laughs> sure. so so a, a mutual friend um uh said you should play with these guys. You've been playing with a lot of people in town. Mm. I mean, this is a very natural, seemingly natural fit. Yeah. I mean, you play auxiliary percussion. This band plays in a genre that the audiences enjoy that type of instrumentation. Mm. You should see what happens here. Something could happen here. Yeah. So, um, I... Don't remember exactly who I talked to. I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's fine. the first time. See, I actually sat in with Hookah with John. Oh, okay. At Chelsea's, I believe, in '96. Oh, okay. It'd be on Dubba's site. You'd be able to find it. There's a show that I sat in with one show at Chelsea's. Oh, okay. And nothing materialized out of that show, but not. I don't think that long after, maybe they were went through the transition with John. So mm-hmm. it. There's a lot. There are a whole host of things that could have been going on internally that that it, it did not work out at that point. There, it right. just it didn't work out at that. point. We've all heard the rumors. But, but my point being <laughs> right. is that it didn't work out at that point. Of like course. I actually played with them. With, with you, you met right, with right, them, no, yeah. right. My point being is that I played with the band right. prior to playing with them and bugging them again. Right. But it didn't work out the, that time mm-hmm. and for whatever reasons. But then. Uh, I might have connected with Eric Lanise. Oh, okay. Maybe first. I don't recall. But I went to, I believe, a Halloween Newport show in 98 or 99. And then subsequently played the New Year's Eve show. Oh. They asked me to play the New Year's Eve show. And then a few months later... I went on like a few day run maybe with them, like maybe to Chicago for a day or two and something small. I think, you know, probably as I recall, probably all of us kind of seeing, does this work at all? I mean, it might, it seems like it should. Right. But let's see, do, as I said before, it's different whenever you're paying people, there's space considerations, Mm -hmm. there's travel considerations. So, it wasn't just a matter of like, that sounds great. Right. Let's do that. Right. So I think that that transition period, um, so moving on and then, uh, I, I sort of, interestingly enough, the guy who, um, guy named Ferdinand, Ferdy, who suggested this, he had done some poetry at, in between sets at Hookahville and my ex-wife had did some opera and I played some drum with him at, Maybe the one in St. Clairsville. So, so I, I sort of, there was some interjections of me, but like I never really cared to explore it any further. I think at, yeah. at that point, you know, like I think I was doing other things, and like this is cool. Um, you know, I'm not as much of a hippie, probably, you know, as as um, I am other things, and so. Maybe at that time I was, you know, I started out a punk rocker. Then I went to, to school for music. So I was out of place 
for a little bit like mm -hmm. there in that transition. And then, so I'm kind of sure that as I was making that transition, I probably felt a little out of place in that environment it was like, ah, I don't know if I want to explore something like this because maybe, maybe they don't feel comfortable with somebody like me. I don't feel comfortable here. So yeah. it just didn't feel right. You know, nothing bad or negative or like, oh, that sucks. Or, you know, yeah. just like, it's, didn't work out, you right, know, right. or didn't care to explore it, or maybe someone didn't care to strike up a conversation, or whatever the reason was, um, it didn't work out until then. I then it started to transition in the late '90s, early 2000s, and that's when it uh, started happening. Then I was playing pretty much full time. There were very few shows that I was missing. Um, one that I'm really happy I missed. Uh, the guys went on to play, we played in New York City, and I stayed in New York City, and they went on, they played in D.C. the next night. I wasn't a full-time member of the band, mm. but I, I, I was really big into this band called Soul Coughing okay. for a long time, and uh, it ended up being their last show at the Bowery Ballroom of the band's existence. So, like, they didn't, they weren't announcing their last right. show. It was, like, the last show of the tour in their hometown yeah. Sold out at the Bowery Ballroom in New York City, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around and check out this show." <laughs> I'm, <saying. laughs> I'm like, you "Guys, have fun." Yeah, I was like, you know, you know, this is working out pretty good, but I'm gonna check out this show. <laughs> I, in hindsight, I'm so glad it was the last. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, it was like you know, limousine in New York City, fun, you know, yeah. hanging out with the band because I was kind of a little bit, you know, friendly with some of the guys in the band, and mm -hmm. uh, so it was just one of those nights that I'm. Both things would have been wonderful. Right. I picked one and it was wonderful. <laughs> so. well, it all seems so casual. Like just even the way you said that you uh even the way you said that you just oh, I just went to Chicago. Yeah. Or well, it was casual. It was like this very Seriously. casual thing. Yo, here's Johnny. I suspect if you ask many people I played it to be like, I don't know. He just all of a sudden was there. <laughs> he was there. And like I don't know how it happened. Yeah. 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 I've got this one guy, um, that you should, you know, do you know Nat Reeb? I yeah. don't. Who, uh, he sings, um, he did some of the John, uh, stuff at Hookahville 50 and like he'll, oh, he okay. sits in with Hookah and he'll oh, nice. do, he has a wonderful voice, uh, a great guy. Um, except, um, he's one of those kind of guys you'd probably ask and I, I just, he, he probably will have no idea why he, he plays with me and, uh, like he, he tries to hide the dates from me, but, um, <laughs> But I'll just show up and he'll be like, I didn't think this could happen again. <laughs> no, no, actually, was. actually, I'd like to actually with Nat, I'd like to punch him in his concussion uh, when I see him. Punch um, him in his concussion. Yeah. In fact, I might give him a concussion and then punch him in his concussion. So that, love that. you, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> so so you get so. OK, so then in, a, in so through the 2000s, like uh, you were. You were with them full time, yes. And, and now, what now, how was because you guys weren't always touring constantly, or were you? I mean, I remember you guys made some rounds, yeah. Well, you know what, the, we were playing constantly, yeah. So, like, what do you define as touring? Well, See, well, that's always that's always kind of like the thing, like, you can do a tour which right. is like you know, one month, so many cities, right. And that's what you call winter tour. Right. I went in February and we played X amount of cities and then we came home. Right. You can, we, you can go any, we did that where mm. we would go on a longer run, like say three weeks out West, but then we were playing four and five days every week. We just were coming home like in the in between. So 
touring, it, 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 it's a, the word, it, it, it's got so many definitions and meanings. Like we were playing constantly. Right, right. Four or five days a week, yeah. every week. Yeah. This week it might be Atlanta, Nashville, you know, um, Murfreesboro, Louisville. Next week it's New York, DC, Philadelphia. Next week it's Chicago, Madison, Milwaukee. You know, so I mean, you put those all on a piece of paper. You know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't like we were going Toledo, Detroit, Chicago, um, Pittsburgh, Morgantown, DC, Toledo, Chicago. Right. You know, it's like, you know, you were doing like more runs, like we shorter were doing runs. Shorter runs, but if you looked at them like right. in a larger sense, they. I mean, we wouldn't go back to Chicago like. Till like the next season, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, so I mean, we just were playing all the time, right? And 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 at the and at this point, you guys are are going to these cities like Atlanta, and New York, and you guys have people showing up and 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 do and doing the hookah thing. Yes. Okay. And, yes. And how far did it reach? Because I remember you guys made it out west a couple. I remember talking to you once after actually after a one under show. It was just a casual thing. And you were just, um, I told you where I was living. At the time, I was out in California, uh -huh. in San Diego, and you were telling me how you guys made out the Winstons. Yeah, Winston. I love Winstons. I love Winstons. I'm actually about to play Winstons in a couple of weeks with my reggae band out there. Excellent, so. excellent. Um, Do but, you guys need a percussionist? <laughs> <laughs> actually, we have one who pulls buck knives on people. So, well, uh, I mean, he might listen, pull a buck knife. Listen, man, listen, <laughs> listen. There's bands with percussionists sound good. I agree. Bands with percussion, two percussionists? Wow. <laughs> like now, I'm saying I'm asking wow in what way? Like in a, like a great way or in a in well? If a you have two of me's, it's wow. I would say so. I would say so. <laughs> if you've got if you've got me and somebody else, it might be okay. And then if you have two other people, I don't know. <laughs> well, we've well here's the thing: we've had up to three percussionists. We played this uh, festival. Uh, what's it called? Cal Roots. Uh -huh. It's it's California Roots. Yeah, it's the reggae shit. Yeah, uh, we played that festival, and yeah, we I think had... Flex Crew played that, or Arc Band played that a couple times from here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a pretty pretty big festival. Yeah. People go out, people fly out. It's a uh, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, but we had three percussionists on stage, and no one knew what the fuck they were doing. That's when it's bad. <laughs> yeah, that will that was when it was like, um, it felt like everybody was like, oh, we're playing Keller Roots, so yeah. all the because yeah. the band, it's weird. It's a reggae band, so yeah. there's like 30 members. Shocking. And <laughs> And and people come in and out all the time. That's even more shocking. So at that moment, everybody came out. You know, it was like, oh, free ticket to Cal Roots. Yeah. And, and I'm we, joking. I'm not shocked. No, I know. I know. I know. It, it's not for your audience. I'm not shocked. No, no. And if anybody knows anything about the, that reggae culture, is there, it's <laughs> right. constantly just people jumping up and right. like, I'm in the band right. now. I'm in the band. I'm not blah, in the band. Blah, blah. I play percussion. Yeah, exactly. I play percussion. I just though. bought a djembe. I play percussion. Right. I just got here. See, from the Sarah. thing about it is, is when you have percussionists. Even one percussionist, you got to sort of, you sort of have to be a little bit organized because the fact of the matter is, is that you're playing with a drummer. You got to be somewhat organized with that drummer. Now you add another percussionist. You guys better all be on the same page so you're not yeah. all playing the same thing. Yeah. I even play in some bands where I play percussion and a couple of the guys in the band will have a tambourine. I have to be very aware when they're going to play tambourine, so I don't play tambourine. Right. I would normally play it in that spot, but I'm going to go ahead, since they're covering it, I'll do something else. Right. But normally my instinct would be to pick up the tambourine right there, mm. and then we'd have two tambourine players. So now you got guys who really don't know what they're doing, and they're, everybody's picking up, and they don't know, put the tambourine down. <laughs> right. So, you know, 
it does get a little confusing with more percussionists. And, and it, yeah, I mean, you gotta fuck it. You gotta organize your shit. Like, you can't just go up there yeah. and just start shitting yeah. on the stage. So, so you guys like in those those days when you're going out west, did were you guys had pulling people out west? Too? Certain like, places, certain places certain were good. Markets. Certain places were. I mean, we played in somewhere in California around Los Angeles, okay. and I'd have to look it up uh, and do link things. Or in, for the podcast, is there any way like or like pictures or like do you do anything like oh, that? Oh no, no, like, no, but well, like that picture, I'll probably post something. Okay. I'm with just saying that I've mentioned a lot of things right, in this podcast right. that I could give you links for the oh, listeners to easily go to and find. Yeah, no, okay. I, I don't go that in depth. Okay, it's, it's just like this that is the picture. worst podcast ever. You don't yes. get any links with it. <laughs> well, there's links to your website in the show notes. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> um www.multisportmediasource.com boom that's a photography guy though that i know oh that's not your website well it's a guy i know okay right now it's on. a photographer it, I, I, know. Got you. I got you i got you both of these i have a lot of aliases actually i go by really? i have um both of these that's one both of these both of these b-e-a-u-x-f-a-h-d-e-z d-e-e-z-e d-e-e-z-e both of these yes because um uh, I got that one because I went to the attic. My wife asked me to get something, and uh, there were two of them. And I was saying, does she want both of these? Does she want both of these? And I was like, both of these. Both of these. I was like, that's my Cajun alias, both of these. <laughs> yeah. And then there was Ricky Boswana. But um, but my wife said, but Ricky is a, a Boswana bee. <laughs> oh. Then I was like, it's Ricky Boswana bee because everybody wants to be a wannabe. So, so that Ricky Boz wannabe Nosmo King. That was another. I did the ice uh, bucket challenge as Nosmo King. Nosmo King. Yes, because uh, if you separate those, I uh, got that. Um, thank you, Colleen Shook. Um, uh, it's no smoking, but if you put the S on the no, it's Nos and then uh. Mo King. So I'm the Nosmo King. King. Okay. Nosmo King. Okay. That was another one. The original was Cricket though. Cricket. Cricket, the lonely pimp from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh. That's a uh, pimp. Yep. That's a sad, yeah, it sad was. pimp. I loved Cricket. Cricket's one of my favorite characters that I've done over the years. He's, uh, I used to, I used to have fun and I would make Cricket videos and send to festivals and tell them that bands I was playing in should, I was endorsing that band as yeah. Cricket. And, and, you know, I'd leave my dreads way down and I'd wear these crazy, and these crazy gold grill that I, you know, that I bought. <laughs> And just like I mean, it was just insane. I it, love that. I, I've got. I think, some... I think cricket needs to come back. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Ow, cricket. Cricket will come wait, back. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You have okay, like, but the name that's on your glasses. Oh yeah, Starcat. Yeah, on my glasses. For all you can't see, I just had new rims made. Yeah, I love it. Thanks, by the way. man. On both sides too. So if you're walking on my left or my right. You know who you're with. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 is that? Is that I, I like I, I what is what's the origin of that? I, I rarely ask origin names, but Cliff like, Starbuck gave me that name. Starbuck. Cliff Starbuck gave me that name, and and uh, we were at a festival in Angola, Indiana, and uh, that festival had the tallest stage I've ever played on compared to where the audience was. It was like <laughs> like you'd look over the edge, and it was like the precipice was like. <laughs> Oh my God, those people are so far down there. I mean, it's probably like 15 feet. Like, wow. I mean, it was, it was silly. It was a silly height. Yeah, like it didn't seem right. Yeah. Uh, so we were around the campfire and hanging out and bsing, and 
and whatnot. And, and uh, I gave Cliff the we were decided to be uh superheroes and um i gave him the moniker aqua b aqua b yes okay and uh that didn't stick but didn't, um no yeah. but uh then he called me Starcat, and then everybody kind of heard of that around the campfire and then it just sort of it it, it 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 took off from there it literally just a casual he was like you're Starcat." i was like you're aqua b and uh <laughs> and that was uh that's where where star cat came from um so uh in in this time that you're with hookah and such, um, I mean, there's no secret that that the, there is a drug culture within the not. I'm not saying within the band, but like that surrounds the band. The scene, yeah. The scene, yeah. The scene. Um, what, like how involved in that were you guys? I mean, like, and, and I'm not trying to have you name names or anything, but like, how involved were you guys? Did you guys dip into that, or were you guys? I mean, straight well, edge or well, like, I can't speak for anybody else. Of in the course, band. of course, I can't speak for anybody want, else in the I band. I don't want you to, but um, in anything like that. But uh, you know, we all had we all had fun. You're part. I, mean, I, I like to I like to have fun. Yeah. Um, you know, we all were having. Everybody on the scene was having fun. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, nobody was out of control. Um, that that I, I not that I could see. And I'm not even saying like nobody was out of control that I could see. By my, I'm just saying yeah. we wouldn't have been able to work. Right. There, there, there wasn't. You know, I mean, there, there wasn't the you know, the type of party stories that you know. I mean, there are some good ones. Not necessarily maybe us. You know, anyone in the band fueling the party, but right. you know, we were around some scenes that. You know, I did some crazy, crazy situations. Like you're just like, you know, <laughs> you're just like, what the hell? This is not real life. <laughs> well, I mean, if you do you have one situation that you can say that's not gonna. Well, it wasn't. I mean, there. You know, there. I. I can't really. I. I. I wouldn't really feel comfortable into delving into any stories that involved anybody's personal choices on what type of state of mind they'd want to be in. Of but, course. You know, I mean. You know, sh what what do you want? Strippers on su sushi on strippers. Sushi on strippers is nice. <laughs> We're playing the magic bag up in Detroit, uh, Ferndale, I believe, mm -hmm. proper. Okay. Outside of Detroit, and um, I think it might have been at set break. The promoter was like, "Hey, you guys like strippers?" <laughs> <laughs> like sure all right i mean random question right but yeah no i'm not i don't know I, yeah 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 you guys like sushi or like sure <laughs> you know it's like i got this catering company coming in with fresh rolls at after the show and i got these strippers coming in and we're gonna we're gonna serve the sushi on the strippers <laughs> Well, I was like, okay. Well, why not? A taste of victory, baby. A taste a of taste victory. Of victory. <laughs> That's one of the stories. That would a taste be in the victory. taste of victory, the extended version of that story. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, every, I'm sure yeah. there's, there's tons of stories that you listen. How about this? How about sure. this? How about I work on uh, a taste of victory, and then we do a series uh, where we talk about each of the stories. We'll do a we'll do a twenty series a podcast of twenty series of twenty individual shows, and we'll take each story and we'll pick them apart, and we'll 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 do short, we'll do short like maybe like fifteen minutes or twenty minutes, something short mm -hmm. each story, and we'll talk about it, and we'll pick each story apart, 
and we'll get down to the nitty gritty details because there's some fun parts that, of that story. I would love yeah. that. I would love that. That is amazing, actually. That idea is fucking incredible. I let let's fucking. Okay, so that. here are some of the topics of the story. So there's uh, sushi on strippers. Um, there is um, drunk motorcycle ride in Thailand. That's a good one. Um, let's see. First night in Thailand. That was another. That's another good one. Uh, let's see here. Some of the other rock and roll ones. Uh, oh, uh, private jet uh, from Birmingham to New Orleans. That's another great one. Uh, I've got them all written down. I, I, I don't want to give too many of them away right of now. Of course. So, I mean, the book is going to be just, uh, I mean, it's Well, you got me hyped now. Now it's you got me hyped. Dude, I'm telling you. Uh, oh, um, fake wrestling with Jerome from Moore's Day in the Time <laughs> in an altered state of mind. Wow. That's um, <laughs> that one I have actually written out. It is on Facebook and it is paragraphs long and I will dig it up and you can read that one. That one is actually already written out. Okay. Then can you give me a brief since it's already out in the world? Can oh my you just God. Give me I, a... It's so it's long. It's long. Okay. So started out playing mind altering substances, more stay in the time. We opened up for them. Jerome came off stage. To the side of the stage, fake wrestled me. Um, after the show, it was raining really hard, and um, a little person, um, you know, dwarf something. I don't know. Whatever what. the right I don't term know is. what the I don't know what the term that we're going to use today. Um, <laughs> but this person um, of very small height and um, you know. Uh, I don't know what they are. You small know. stature, small human, stature being. Okay. human being. I'm going to get in so much trouble for this, but I don't, I think guess what? Right. Do you remember that part where I don't get no, no, I apologize to all the, the, the short stack. Look, I've got a 27-inch inseam. I've got a tailor. <laughs> I'm so short. <laughs> Listen, Mrs. Shim is fixing my pants right now. I'm not even kidding you. Down on High Street, Mrs. Shim is fixing my 27-inch inseam. I'm I'm short. Shout I'm out. short. Shout out to so Mr. so listen. I'm only like one category above little whatever man. little people. Little so people, anyway, the people. whole night ended up with a little person in a spectacular purple suit and a big, <laughs> big, big purple hat asking me to help them down off of a curb. <laughs> so, in my state of mind. I was glad I had reinforcement on the memory with uh, my good friend uh, Cello. He he was standing next to me with a perplexed look on his face. And I looked over at him, and he's like, "I'm like, okay, that's happening, right? This is happening." And he's yeah. like, "Yep." I was like, "All right." So I put my hand in his little hand and I helped him down off the curb. <laughs> sure enough, he waved back, "Thank you," and was on his way. Well, that so that story written out though is is spectacular. Okay. I, I'm I'm not browbeating here, but that one no, I took. No. Painstaking time to 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 glorify every detail in that. Okay, <laughs> you know I I might dig it up. And I might read it on on air. I don't know. I will I will give full authorization. I would. You know what? To. In fact, I've got my recorder. I'll record it in my voice. Send you the file and you post it. How's that? That would be awesome. I'll read the story. So. I would love that. The, that so the nice. audio book is coming out before. There you go. The that, hard print book. It's a taste of taste of victory. A taste, a sample. Of the taste of victory. <laughs> so, okay, so y you guys are you guys are doing your grinding out. Yes, no, and yes, I, killing it, just having a great time yeah. and killing it, man. Yeah, no, musically, no. just just 
throwing tunes out there. I'm talking. I really was proud of what we were doing. Uh, well, I mean, you and legions of other people. I uh, appreciate everybody. And, uh, me included. I'm not going to separate everybody. myself. That appreciate uh, everybody who gave their time and effort to come out, hang out with us. Uh, so, so you guys. Uh, what could you break down sort of a writing process for you guys like how would how would a song kind of come to life within the band for the most part it would come almost done mm-hmm. and then as a song yeah and then dave or ed would play the song or whoever was bringing the song mm-hmm. and then we would put our parts on the song okay so that's pretty much how like we didn't do a whole lot of like Hey, let's just jam for a while, and and then oh, we'll see what riffs come out of it. There wasn't a lot of that, right, uh, with that band, right? Because there, I mean, like, there's so many songs that were like, it, it's not. I'm not gonna say prog rock, but it's definitely there's a lot of progressions to it that that are oh, very absolutely I always, very mapped out. I was always perplexed why people compared us to the Grateful Dead. I was perplexed. Well, I never seen that thing. Seen great, right? But but band wise, I always thought we were. We were closer to like Yes yeah. and Rush that, and like actually, and, and bands like that with like the orchestrated parts. Yeah. And like I mean, we did have the jam sections, of course, of course. Mm. But I thought musically, writing wise, sometimes we were writing in a little different direction than the Grateful Dead. I oh, mean, totally. I Absolutely. mean, I was like, okay, I get it. Like you know, some of the jammy parts, some of the we cover the dead, and mm-hmm. you know, and then of course, you know, when Bob Weir played with us, and it kind of solidified that connection. Yeah, uh, I get it. <laughs> but I always thought to myself, I, I, we're more like a not up to snuff. Yes, sometimes <laughs> you know, like with the yeah. the way changes would change abruptly in yeah. tempo and texture and time right, and right. feeling like. You know, like Alexander, you know, you're killing it and then boom. Yeah. I mean, think about like, you know, some of the great Yes songs that are come out just, you know, killing it. And then they go into a, a, or a Pink Floyd or something like that. I I always thought compositionally we were Yeah, more of a progressive type band. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you guys were more of a rock band. So that's that's essentially how those songs would come together. How is Bob Weir, by the way? Fun guy, nice guy, great yeah. guy, conversationalist. I mean, you know, he's a human being. Yeah. You know, he's. Uh, I tell you, one of the funny things though was I did tell you I, I'm not as much of a hippie. So I, I, I I've been, I, I saw Jerry. You know, been to Dead shows. You know, back in the, you know, the late '80s, early '90s. So my, I'm, I'm familiar with the Grateful Dead. It wasn't my band. You know, necessarily. Right. Um, but I remember what a moment that was really super cool was that uh, the first time Bob Weir was playing with us, I'm back there jamming. So it was 99. And I'm back there. I'm playing my, my kungas. And I'm, I'm playing. I'm jamming. And, like, Bob turns around. And he, like, come walks back towards, you know, towards my my rig. And and we're standing there. And, uh, and we're just he, he's, like, just strumming. And he, like, locks in. You know, and we're, like, locking. I'm jamming. I was like, you know. I was thinking on a musical level, you know, we're like, you know, kind of like, yeah, we're, we're interacting, you know, so, and then it was really funny because I was like, holy shit, that's Bob Weir. <laughs> look at that. Yeah, would you look at that? I know, it was really funny. I was like, hey. Johnny from Pittsburgh. I like Johnny from Pittsburgh <laughs> and Bob Weir hanging out, jamming on some tunes. No, that must have been an incredible It was fun. Moment. I mean, it was so fun. It was Absolutely. one of those things that nobody can take away from me. I, Never. I, I, you know, it's like, yeah. at the end of the day, I've got all these great, you know, great memories and great stories. And I, you know, I cherish every one of them. Another good Bob Weir when I was playing with Rat Dog one time. And uh, we came off stage on the second set. And uh, he looks around. And he goes, um, 
uh, since Johnny's hanging out with us tonight playing, uh, why don't we do Johnny Be Good for the encore? <laughs> right on, man. I was like, that's I'm, great. I was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure I was at that show. I, I, was that the Gora show? Maybe or no, no House was, of Blues? Or, oh, or? no, no, no. Never mind. I'm, I'm totally making it up. Now. When I saw you guys with Rat, Rat Dog was playing a festival, it wasn't Hookahville, but it was down in, not Legend, it was... Um, the other one. What was it? Frontier Ranch. Frontier. The, the uh, last chance to crap your pants. I think that I think was it. Was. That yeah. was it. That was it. I the think... last chance to camp and dance, as we all like to call it, the last chance to crap your pants. I probably should admit this to you, but I definitely parked on someone's lawn and snuck my I, ass I, in. You, 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 and countless others are why right. I'm why I'm sitting here. I'm sorry. You and countless <laughs> others are why 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 I'm sitting here and lost lost money. Nonstop, but we'll 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 let bygones be bygones. Uh, I I do apologize. You, let, you can let you can let your sixty five bucks on that drum <laughs> over there whenever you leave. <laughs> well, that it, was one of my favorite things though. Used to take a flashlight late night and just walk over by the fence and go, "Are you sneaking in here? You know this is Johnny. Are you sneaking in here? <laughs> you go buy a ticky cheap. Come on, <laughs> kids got to eat. <laughs> you know, and, and and as now as someone who who can't stand it when people are like, put me on the list. I'll be like, motherfucker, yeah. pay the five dollars, yeah. bitch. You yeah. got five dollars. Five dollars. Come the fuck on. Out. And, you know, and, uh, at that time, I'm just like, I just gotta right. get to the bed. The you only know, the only show ridiculous. the only show that I ever snuck into. This would be another good one. Another another one's gonna be in the book is uh, is Eric Clapton at Polaris Amphitheater when it was up here in in Columbus. Mm. Eric Lenice and I uh, decided we were riding our motorcycles and grabbed all of our lanyards. Oh, nice. You know, so we had like you know twenty lanyards from shows and Hell yeah. festivals. So we just drove our motorcycles and every checkpoint we just kind of flashed our badges. Yeah, we're driving <laughs> motorcycles. We can't stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just. <laughs> Show, wiggle our passes and they just let us get all the way to the backstage wow. like all the way by the buses oh now what are we going to do because if we leave the backstage we don't have backstage passes right but our motorcycles are parked backstage what are we going to do so i made <laughs> i made eric stand by his motorcycle and i went up to to the the gate person that looked the oldest and most feeble <laughs> and i was like hey we just rolled in here and we don't have our credentials they're quite yet blah 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 you know we're gonna get them but just so you remember those are our motorcycles you saw she's like i saw you rolling that's awesome blah, blah, blah. Yeah. we're like so after the show we were like remember our motorcycles yeah, she's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were able to get our motorcycles and get out of there <laughs> so, so you were able to see the show oh yeah we yeah, we, were, yeah we just drove our motorcycles well, that is a very successful sneaking very uh, that was a successful sneaky story <laughs> <laughs> but Eric Clapton's still playing these days. Yeah. So I mean, I'm struggling, bro. Oh, so, dude. Thanks. Well. Pressure treats you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what now? Um, you know, there's going to have to be a, a a a number two because I've got like thirty five thousand other stories. Well, and, I mean, and like, I'm like so down. Uh, okay. It. All right. It's got to be a second one because I'm totally you know. down. And I know we're coming up on our two hour mark here, but. Um, I, I do want I do want to push through and because I I'm, I'm, I am interested. Okay, you got a couple more questions because you know I got a real life to live. I huh? know I know okay. I know. Okay, so I'll make them count and. Um, okay, all right. I don't I'll, know I'll how you, far you're gonna want to even go into. All right, this. I'll give you I'll give you the best I can. Okay, rapid fire. Enough. What do you got? Here we go. Um, so what was what why 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 did you and Ed decide to split ways? I don't I cannot speak to Ed on, okay. on his personal decision to leave hookah mine was filled with um extreme pissed offness um it was fueled by a feeling of 
a specific incident going too far in controlling my career. Mm. Um, I felt like there was an opportunity to rectify that situation. Certain people didn't take that opportunity to rectify that situation. I said I was going to do something, and I did do something. Would I handle that situation differently? Yes. Would I still leave the band? Probably. Mm. Would not have handled the situation the same. One of my biggest non-playing musical regrets was how I handled that situation. Mm. I, uh, I've apologized to the guys over the years. Um, if they've failed to receive that message, I still maintain that apology. I would have handled that situation differently. I wish I would have handled that situation differently. It does not change any of my feelings about how certain things were handled, how certain things were going, how certain individuals um, uh, were interacting with me and I was interacting with certain individuals. None of that changes. Mm -hmm. How I chose to handle all of that was incorrect and I would do uh, that process a million different ways. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to reconnect the past couple of years with those guys on stage. It's felt great. Love playing those songs when I have the opportunity. Would love to do uh, do it again. Uh, I think it'd be a gas to do an indoor show sometime yeah. with everybody. Yeah. I think it'd be f more fun if we uh, interacted and in, in hybrid a little bit more. Um, current members, you know, love Sarge, love Matt. Um, would love if they sat in with things maybe we did maybe we kind of jam i mean just kind of a more like kind of a little more interacting i don't know if we'll ever get to that point i'm up for anything yeah uh give me a holler my number <laughs> hasn't changed since 1993 so um yeah. i'm i'm up for uh anything i'm up for nothing yeah i don't care if nothing ever happens again it's fine yeah whatever right i mean i literally i don't wake up in the morning and contemplate whether i'll play with those guys again or uh, you know, get down if I will never play with them again. And I just, it's fine if it does. And if it's fine, if it doesn't, it's, right. it's great. You know, I mean, life is, is too short to hinge on a four hour time block. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly many other things that are great and many other things that suck yeah. that you can hang your, you, you know, hang your hat on. Sure. And uh, so I, I try to, um, I'm really glad that that, that, that that connection has happened. It felt great. It mm -hmm. was wonderful. I'm not going to lie. You're it talking was, about you know, these last two. Oh, the last the 50 and 52 were great. Yeah. They were so much fun. Yeah. I, I had a great time. I had a great time uh, just hanging out, mm -hmm. like when they were playing yeah. on the scene and just talking to people. Yeah. Um, had a great time um, experiencing the whole thing. It was, you know, it felt good to to open up a part of my heart and my head again. Mm -hmm. And, um, I basically felt like I could take back a little bit of what I had created because a lot of for a long time I'd kind of just shut that part off and been like, yeah, it's cool, it happened. Yeah. Well, now I'm, al I'm now I'm allowing myself to enjoy what had happened a little bit better, yeah, and a little bit more uh, freely, and uh, you know, I I, I really uh, I, I I find myself you know I'll go back and I'll listen to a tune or two. Um, I don't make it a habit to listen to stuff that I played on. It's not like you know. It's just not something I do really that much. But I do find myself, you know, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, check out a version I remember that was really good or, you know, want to play it for one of my daughters. You know, that's kind of the cool thing about archives and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I got a 12-year-old and 8-year-old that are musicians that I can be like, you know, and not to out her too much, but my, my oldest daughter has a, has a guy that she's hanging out with who is – 
who loves the uh, who <laughs> really likes the dead and Bob Weir. So oh, it's it's wow. kind of funny when he comes over and uh, he starts nerding out. You know, he's just little... like, oh man, you know, like <laughs> dad. <laughs> That's that is incredible. I love those stories of how people share their their career with their kids and like how you know because sometimes when you talk to musicians, their kids they, they don't even know what the fuck I do. They just think I fucking leave and I come back yeah, after a month yeah, and yeah. you know now they're yeah. eating. So yeah, she plays. She's cool though because she plays uh, she plays upright bass and uh, she plays flute and piano. And uh, my youngest one plays piano and sings. So a lot of good stuff moving forward. Uh, I really really appreciate uh, what I'm I'm getting to to see happen with my two kids. I really, yeah. I didn't wake up ever and think I wanted to be a father or a, or a stay at home dad with what I do. Um, I still don't wake up and say that I'm not, yeah. this is not a role that I'm like jumping up and down to do every day because when you do it right, it's fucking hard. <laughs> and, uh, right. so it's not something like I was pumped to do my whole life. And, but I have an incredibly supportive wife who always knew that I was going to be an artist and a musician and uh, I've never heard her once say, you know, what did you do all day? Or, you know, she says things like, you know, what, how were you creative today? And like, what did, you know, what, what type of art did you make? Or like, you know, what did you listen to? And things like that. So um, I always knew that she wanted to be a mom. And, uh, and so at each step of the relationship, we would discuss what we were and who we are. And uh, we just celebrated... Um, our let's see i guess that would be 2005 14th year uh 14th anniversary a couple months ago and Congrats, man. that's not easy no and uh easy. especially since I, I since especially since i did it once before and i <laughs> fucked up and failed miserably <laughs> a train wreck yeah <laughs> my current wife always thanks my ex-wife for the training <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, that's about the long and short of that. Yeah, I, I I got you. I got you. Uh, I I I know this borders on inappropriate, but like you said, you got this house in two thousand three. Was this house bought with hookah money? Probably some of it. Some of it. Okay, I'm just <laughs> some of it. Like when when you were touring with them, were you able to? We had great times financially, and we had really bad times gotcha. financially. So That's some the... sometimes it was great, and sometimes sure, just yeah. like anybody yep. else, man. Sure, just like anybody. Yeah, just like anybody, man. Maybe the numbers were bigger. Maybe the numbers were smaller. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, there. You know, that's that's about the most I can say about it. We of were, course. we were we were we were trying to give it hell, and and I think when you're trying to really uh, you know give back into your organization you can fall on some some pretty hard swords you know yeah. and we had people from top to bottom falling on swords and uh at times and then we had people from top to bottom you know eating the pie yeah. so i mean that's not something you can necessarily say that there's not one i mean there was there was a there was a point where we were all operating and had health insurance wow so holy uh, shit yeah so wow organizationally right. the, the times things were great organizationally band wise things were terrible at times mm -hmm. the, it's it's the evolution of a band you yeah. know i'm i'm still one of the you know the biggest things that i can say about who goes i i respect the hell out of a band who started 91 and 2019 god damn i don't care what form you're playing in right you know you're the right, brand man. is still playing yeah and still so, fucking doing things so, still fucking drawing still I, you know, I can't attest to too much to what they're doing outside of when I play with them because I don't follow them. Right. I don't know much about them. I'm friends with with Sarge outside of the the uh, confines of the hookah brand, but um, 
I, you know, I, I wish them wish them the best. Uh, any anybody who can still keep ses- successfully, uh, you know, what Dave and Eric and Steve so long ago forged the way for. I know Eric wasn't in on the the ground, 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 ground floor. Right, but yeah. I mean, my goodness, I think only a year and a half in or something like that. So you can't say he wasn't in on the ground floor. Right. I mean, he was there. He's right. been through everything. Yeah, he's seen it from right. like nothing yeah, to everything. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, but you know, those three guys, you know, forging through and uh, to this day making it work, I hats off to those guys. You yeah. know, they keep keep on tread. So you guys, you, know. you guys are all friendly. I think friendly would probably be an appropriate term to okay. use. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think that'd be an appropriate term. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I've, I'm playing with Cliff this weekend. Oh, right now. Um, I played with Cliff last weekend at a party, two different environments. Yeah. Um, he he and I have always been friendly. Um, uh, Ed Ed texts me. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, we, we, te- you know, we played one under obviously. Right. And, uh, right. You know, well, you so, guys, you guys, yeah. when, when you guys did leave yeah. for your reasons, uh, yeah. you guys did yeah. one under. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which well, was... actually we were doing one under well before. Oh really? It wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, a replacement for hookah. I got you. A lot of people like to, 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 uh, um, assume uh, that and perpetuate that. <laughs> like me. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what happened. We okay. actually formed well before. Ed and I, uh, we we formed in January of 2005. Um, we were playing gigs. It was not a replacement for hookah. It never was intended. Uh, the function of One Under was intended from the onset to explore different styles musically mm. and different songs that were being sort of cast aside in our main project. So we thought we'd try to explore some other uh, I was, uh, I'm best friends with the guitar player, uh, who was planning on moving to California in January of 2005. And I was like, hold on a second. I can't handle that. Let's, let's form a band. <laughs> let's <laughs> yeah. play together. We haven't played together in a long time and let's give it, let's give it a go and see how we sound together and just have some fun yeah. and see if that doesn't inspire you to stick around Columbus. Right. So it was, uh, the function of one under was to make sure that um songs that ed wanted to play that maybe weren't either accepted or appropriate for hookah um it was an opportunity for us to gather a really outstanding not that i wasn't playing one but uh, an outstanding lineup of great musicians i mean that original lineup was six beasts Mm -hmm. and uh everybody had really a good a game going on musically um but but in different areas like funk and stuff like that that was that we weren't really exploring in hookah in the same kind of ways that one under was was facilitating Mm. um the you know my my decision to leave uh hookah and the abruptness didn't help for it to to look anything like a replacement for Mm -hmm. hookah so i could see where people made that stretch they were wrong Fair enough. And I, at the end, don't care if they wanted to make an assumption. That's on them. Yeah. They wanted to know, call me. My number hasn't changed since 93. Got the same email address. So, I mean, you could have gotten a hold of me if you had a question. But, no, it wasn't uh, the, you know. And there was no, I mean, we did one rehearsal with one under before Ed came on and Steve was there. And it just really 
wasn't Steve's thing. And I think that that maybe some might have assumed because of that that he was involved early on. Maybe it was some sort of kind of trying to uh, sabotage Ed and I trying to sabotage the band or mm. do something nefarious, which that was there was nothing of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that had really nothing to you know. Basically, all, at that point, also Hookah was not generating a lot of money in our pockets <laughs> at that point. So this was another way for us to facilitate maybe some side gigs. Yeah, um, to generate maybe a little bit of income. Yeah. So sure. there were no nefarious reasons on the onset, no matter what anybody wants to, right. to, to uh, whether it be someone I played with in that band or any fan, there's nothing, there's nothing but just a very uh, plain set of facts. We wanted to maybe make a little extra money, play a different style of music and play with yeah. some different players. That was really the only three things. I mean, I could see how people, and, and by the way, just so, we're on the same page here. Like, I, I never assumed that you and Ed were trying to do that. I, no, I but just, some people do. Did right? Think no, that. absolutely, absolutely. But like, to to put yourself in their shoes to sure. see because after Ed left and and you subsequently you you know yeah, you when we left, left yeah. at the same time. I left in September. He left in uh, December. Okay, so not in a few months. Sure. All of a sudden. Alexander's no longer available on iTunes. Um, all of a sudden, that was not Ed. Oh, I'm I'm not trying to blame. No, I'm gonna, you, I know. Now this I'm, this I'm, is something that has come up. I'm sure uh, I'm several sure. times. I'm pretty sure. I, no, I am sure okay. that has nothing to do externally. Okay, that's an internal issue. Well, but you could see. I can see that. But do you see why that? You see why it's uh, it can be extremely frustrating when. Of course. You know, and this is you know delving into a whole nother category <laughs> because. You can not do something, somebody else make a decision, God. and now all of a sudden, I, yeah. I'm the one that made that decision right. somehow, and you think right. that that's, and, you know. And you're going to get lumped in with that, too, because you uh, you and him were playing. Absolutely, and, and I fully, I'm fully ready to, you know, and have been for, you know, I'm Ed's, a, Ed's a friend. Yeah. Ed's a good friend. I, you know, was at Ed's wedding last year, and, uh, you know, Ed and I have played together we we're we're friends yeah. and um uh so but that that one particular issue because i'll be honest with you it pisses me off that i can't listen to those songs on me do i'm like me do you mean i gotta go searching for some for live CD. one that i don't really want or a cd right, yeah. like so that's the first reason why it pisses no, me off me too. the second reason why it pisses me off is that it 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 it's 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 um I could only speculate on things, but like whenever you put those up on streaming services, revenues are generated no matter how small their revenues are generated. Mm. So then now you have to deal as a business of with other people that you're no longer dealing with a business. That's right. the only thing that I can assume. If anyone's got a better answer, Johnny Polanski at <laughs> gmail.com. There it is. I'm open all day long. <laughs> In fact, send me some emails. But try to leave out the Burger King and the slow death I deserve. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be assholes. That, that's what I've been no, telling. be an asshole. Just don't wish me death. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You heard it here first. That's right. Um, well, we're we're coming up on that two hour okay. mark, and um, I mean, God, I could keep going on and on and on. You, but, I but, could talk for days. <laughs> but um, 
I know you got a life to live and you have children you have to pick up and I, they do gotta, things. I, got, I actually have a dentist appointment today. Okay. So. The, yeah, the, the kids were this morning. The dentist appointment is this afternoon. I got to okay. got to keep this grill right. You know hey, what I'm hey, saying? Hey, you got nice uh, teeth, by the way. I appreciate I, it. No I, braces I, I, ever. I've got I all, noticed that. all four of my wisdom teeth are still in Whoa. and I still got a, I still got a grill I can rock. So nah, Hey, man. So I got to get to the dentist and get them to clean them up and, <laughs> and, and put these things right, you know? Okay. So let, let's try to just end on a quick okay, note. What, cool. what, 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 uh, me? What bands in was this? That, I thought, was that quick enough? Oh yeah, that, that was. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> what, All right, we'll end on whatever you want to say. What's what do you got? Um. Well, no, I, I just I'm just curious on like in that scene, following in just because we've been talking about you know hookah in that scene in that scene now. What bands do you personally like, or do you see um, kind of almost kind of North Mississippi All Stars? I love. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was where you were going with that question. As no. far as like who's coming up and up on right. up on it. Well, I asked I asked Chris um, Chris from the works. Uh -huh. I asked him, which was kind of an embarrassing thing. Uh, I and now I'm embarrassed to even say this to you. <laughs> it was like, do you guys feel like that you're maybe taking the torch kind of where Hookah left off, even though like Hookah's still doing their thing. But like the works are kind of yeah, the but the, but you have to look at things in real terms. I mean, d doing your thing and doing things at the level that was between certain years is yeah. different. Of course, that's different, and, and it's kind of I a know, dumb question anyway. No, I, I got what you're saying. They're the next generation of bands to go out there on the road with a big vehicle and play lots of faraway yeah. places. Like I get what you're saying, and anybody who doesn't is not paying attention. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Who's the next one that's going to start doing that? Who knows? Whoever, yeah. whoever, whoever tries the hardest and sticks it out the longest. Fair enough. Because just do it means don't stop, and that's how you make it music. Be the last man standing. Johnny Polanski, I appreciate it, my friend. My pleasure. All right. Episode too soon. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate you letting me into your personal space and and chatting it up with us. Uh, it, it was it was an extreme honor and an extreme pleasure to chat it up with them. And and I certainly look forward to anything that we could do together in the future. Um, you could check out Johnny Polanski the Third on Facebook if you want to follow him up there, or you can go to his website, his photography website, multisportmediasource.com. M U L T I S P O R T M E D I A S O U R C E dot com. I'll also put a link in the show notes so y'all can just go click away on that song bitch uh i thank you very much again johnny uh go to rainamystique.com check out our new album 1018 r-e-i-n-a-m-y-s-t-i-q-u-e.com uh you can click on the experience tab and find out where me and my wife are playing around town uh check out our sponsor modedstudios.com embroidered Patches and apparel. I'm still trying to get that line down. I am just terrible at saying that. I don't know why I can't say it. Go to modedstudios.com and check out all the latest, updated, greatest pet. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Caleb.
Modedstudios.com. They got all the flyest patches. M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. You can also check out uh, our Instagram, We Speak English Good on IG. We're doing all kinds of fun little tutorials, uh, playing guitar and piano and bass. Uh, we got silly shit that we throw up there. Uh, and really, if you want to just get to know me, host Mikey P, uh, you, you follow me up on Instagram. It's, it's where you're going to find uh, all the action that goes on in my life, which is not that much action. It's more like just a bunch of stuff I have to do. It's not like exciting, juicy stuff like hanging out with celebrities or, or, you know, or, or smoking a vape pen with fucking Dan Brazilian. Is that how you say his name? I don't know how you say his name, but that dude, he looks way cooler than he probably really is. <laughs> no, he's probably a cool guy. He's a billionaire or something, right? I don't know. Anyways, uh, <laughs> go to, follow us on Instagram. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, leave a comment and a review. And we'll read them on the air. Um, you can also write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what we're doing. Again, I'll read it on the air if it's polite. No more asshole readings. Yeah, I'm just not, I'm, I'm shutting down the asshole email section. Anyways, that'll do it for me. Again, thank you, Johnny Star, Cat Polanski. I had a grand time chatting it up with y'all. Um, and that's it. Uh, be good to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. And we'll see you guys next week with um, Moths in the Attic, which is a uh, BG band, a uh, Bowling Green band. And uh, their latest album is pretty fucking cool. And I'm pretty excited to talk to these guys, so stay tuned for that. All right, guys, be good to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. Bye. Fresh.